you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. Chris Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com. Thechrisvossshow.com. Welcome to the big show. My family and friends, this is the part that they call the ramble. The ramble where I make up shit and I just wing it right off the top of my head and I say whatever I'm thinking. And clearly I'm not thinking anything because I'm just defining the ramble in the uh, intro. So there you go. That's I just cheated, really, when it comes down to it. But there you go. I mean, we make up something different every time. <laughs> I had friends say to me, you know, we just go listen to the intros, Chris, for whatever the hell you're going to make up. But we really appreciate you guys being here. We have an amazing author on the show. He comes all the way from over what they like to say, the pond, in uh, in the UK, in the Britain area. In the, I th- He's from Cambridge. He's not from London. I was going to say London. Is London close to Cambridge? I'm not sure. Pretty close. That's there you go. Yeah. Yeah. It's all English, right? Uh, so old English. We should. We should. We have to disclose that the attorneys say we have to disclose old English because we know America is well, you know, number one. Uh, anyway, moving on. <laughs> uh, you know those damn asshole Americans. Uh, what can you do with them? Uh, anyway, we have an amazing gentleman on the show. He's going to be talking about his latest book. Uh, we're going to be talking about the environment and cleaner future in the secret world of waste. His book is entitled Wasteland. And I think it's a novel about my dating uh, habits. <laughs> no, it is coming out. It just came out. July 18th, 2023. Wasteland, the secret world of waste and the urgent search for a cleaner future, which probably also is my dating future. Uh, Oliver Franklin Wallace is on the show with us today. He's going to be talking to us about his amazing book and insight into a shocking journey into the waste industry and the secretive multi-billion dollar world that underpins the modern economy. And we're going to find out more. Uh, But before that, let's get to know him a little bit better off his bio. Oliver is an award-winning magazine journalist whose writing has appeared in GQ. I've offered to appear in their magazine for the most sexiest man. They're they're considering it. Uh, Wired, The Guardian, New York Times. Not they're not they're not doing that. Uh, the Economist and many other publications. Wasteland, his newest book, uh, is his first book and newest book, I should say. And I'm just wanted to reiterate that. Welcome to the show, Oliver. How are you? Hey, thanks so much for having me. Uh, I was I was thinking there in your in your beautifully executed ramble like whether you were going to make make a trash joke because you know often people do and it's like trash talk is is an option Uh, or if it's late depending on where you are and and how late late it is we can get into dirty talk later on if you want but uh yeah (laughs) there's a lot of puns and you didn't go for it so i feel you know i've I, I feel like we missed an opportunity, opportunity there. Okay, we're gonna we can make up for later. Show, we're gonna hit rewind and we're gonna start. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but no, I'll, I'll I'll let you slide some of those in because you probably have assembled some uh, in your thing. So welcome to the show. Congratulations on the new book. Give us a dot com wherever you want people to find you on the interwebs, please. Oh sure, yeah, you can find me at oliverfranklinwallace.com. Easy. All, all of all good bookstores. Some mediocre bookstores. Uh, you can yeah wh- wh- wherever. 
uh, I think you mentioned like my my day job. I'm a, I'm an editor of GQ magazine, so a lot of readers, your readers might might know that, mm-hmm. um, and various other bits and pieces. So this is a very different uh, world than you know celebrities and and fashion. There's a bit of fashion in there. We might we, we might touch on it, but it tends not to be uh, oh. the same. <laughs> the same vibe. Hey, uh, but yeah. Is still like a good men's uh, sort of magazine there? I think it was always, you know, you'd go there for your nice suits and stuff. Yeah, I, I hope so. I hope yeah, so. yeah. And, and if you need me, you know, for that sexiest uh, man list, and you just let me know where to submit my pictures and, you know, you can check my Tinder <laughs> profile and stuff. Anyway, moving on. Uh, what motivated you, Oliver, to write this book? Yeah, sure. Um, for, so uh, th- th- there's a long version of the story. There's a short version of the story. I- I'm going to give you the short version, which is um, it started interesting me not that long ago when everyone suddenly started noticing, well, there's all this plastic in the ocean and all this, this, I was going to swear there, but I better not, uh, you know, stuff going on in, in our rivers and, and, and things like that. And I was just like, where has this, all of this stuff come from? And at the same time, I did this piece with the Guardian about the fact that China, which for, um, a long time from the second half of the 20th century was like the preeminent destination for a lot of our a lot of our garbage. A lot of people don't know that this, the things you're throwing away for like recycling was being loaded onto container ships and you know on the west coast in, in your case and uh, sailed over the Pacific to China and in some cases recycled and often not. And 2018 or so they said no, we're, we're kind of done with that. We don't want to be the world's trash can anymore. Shut their doors. And ever since we've kind of been like wondering what to do with it and. Um, I was kind of intrigued by that notion at the time. Uh, but the, the the thing that kind of caught me in it is like, we spend a lot of time thinking about where our stuff comes from. Is it organic? Is it fair trade? Is it this or is it that? But we never really think about what happens to it after we throw it away. And a lot of time, the journey is just as long and just as complicated and, and just as interesting. Um, so yeah, this is my kind of attempt to find out. And it was pretty wild at the time. There you go. I thought the plastic in the ocean made it give it that shininess when you look out across the... <laughs> horizon oh man i'm gonna get hate mail from well, we were, greenpeace now well we were just talking off the, off the air about the story that i was doing um for the economist a while back about submarines and uh you know i went on this research uh, boat in the pacific and you would just be like sailing in the middle of nowhere and occasionally you just see like a, a you know a load of load of plastic just kind of floating on by so I, I think maybe that you know that was many years ago now and maybe that kind of planted the seed back in my mind there you uh, go but yeah you see it you see it everywhere it's, Kind of and it looks like you travel the world. You go to Ghana, I believe. And yeah, so I did the UK, the US, India, and Ghana. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of this reporting happened during the pandemic, so you couldn't get into a lot of places. So I went wherever they, wherever, wherever they'd have me. But yeah, it's a, it's a it's a fairly global journey, and it's all all sorts of different things. So it's like uh, uh, not just plastic, which I'm sure we'll talk about. It's clothing, it's electronics, uh, it's sewage, it's food. It's, it goes all the way. I think the last chapter is nuclear waste, which is kind of oh, uh, pretty heavy. Yeah, uh, but I stood, I stood in a room which looked like a, like a missile silo out of a Bond movie where they store all of the Europe, like Europe's nuclear waste in these kind of super thick tubes that's going to oh. be radioactive for 10,000 years. And that was um, kind of interesting and wild. Craziness. So yeah. you, you can you still get... feel the heat. It's like they're, they're like, I think, I think they're like two, two or three meter deep plugs and you can still feel like warmth coming out of them like even with all the crazy levels of safety and stuff going on to give you a sense should you be able to feel the warmth like well maybe i was like i was a little bit surprised but they give you a little geiger counter like you wear this little alarm thing you go in and you've got to wear these special shoes and safety helmet and all this kind of stuff and you wear a little alarm and then when you kind of come out they like check you basically to make sure that you're not radioactive i'm not sure like if the alarm goes off like what do they 
do? Like, I, 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 we, I never, I never really thought to ask that question. But if maybe they would have just kept me in there. You're probably, it's probably like that movie with Cher back in the seventies or eighties where, you know, she's at three mile or whatever, and they have to give her the soap bath and scrub her down and shit. Um, yeah, I imagine. Yeah, probably not going to end well. So well, how did you, how, how did you approach this journey? Like, how did you say, okay, um, how are we going to paint this picture? How did you uh, tackle this? Cause it seems like, you know, it's a very big, you know, there's, there's yeah. a couple of things of garbage out there. Yeah. Because, you know, and, and it's, it's a kind of weird thing to get your head around but from one sense this this is a book about trash and garbage and that that feels like something small but then once you start on this journey well you realize well actually this story is is of everything everything we have to dispose of everything at the end of its lifespan eventually like going from the tiniest thing up to bulldozing like tnting power plants and like blowing you know blowing up power plants and scooping all away and so i had to kind of work out which of the things that i wanted to follow and so a lot of the time it was focusing on the things that we use most common in our everyday life so there's um the story of paper there's the story of uh, like a plastic bottle this what happens to your um thrift store donations for example your old iphones yeah um but something that kind of became very clear to me early in the stage of the reporting is like there are essentially three forms of waste. There's there's the, the kind of the regular everyday trash that you throw away in your bin. There's what what they call in the industry putrescible waste, which is a lovely word, but essentially means stuff that decomposes, like food and sewage, the the stinky stuff, essentially. Bodies. None of it smells great, but yeah, bodies. Yeah, uh, the, the the stuff that decomposes, and then there's this like third category, which is kind of like this the the dangerous sticky stuff, which is like toxic waste, industrial waste, the uh -huh. nuclear stuff, the stuff that's really difficult. And so, like the last third of the book is like what you do, what you do with that. And I mean, I, I'm sure we'll talk about it. But like a big challenge with this industry and with with all of our environmentalism is like a lot of our world is like filled with these toxic chemicals and stuff that you don't see every day now, and microplastics and all these things. We're only really starting to get to grips with the impact they're having on the environment and on our bodies. Um, so yeah, I, I'm hope I hope that people can kind of see the threads and and, and that the journey makes sense. Yeah, I uh, love microplastics really. and uh, some of that forever, for, forever chemicals. I sprinkle yeah. that on my Cheerios every morning and get <laughs> that extra zip, that extra zip of flavor. You know, you realize you're going to have a whole mess of people on your Amazon reviews going, "This book is trash." And yeah, I, I, I actually, I, I at one point uh, genuinely pitched my publisher and I said that we we, we should have this book is garbage as the title and then i could be like ha ha yes it is my friend uh yeah i'm 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 fully uh fully acknowledging that there will be puns and uh yeah. abuse and things but uh, I, I lean into it you've got to embrace it with, with two hands now i've got your book here is this fully recyclable that's just what i don't know i don't see your it is it is fully recyclable yeah <laughs> there you go uh so you no can fun. use it as a paperweight or put your laptop on it you know there's all sorts of use uses oh, you can and you can read it too that's you could read it yeah some people do there you go. Hi, folks. Here's Foss here with a little station break. Hope you're enjoying the show so far. We'll resume here in a second. Uh, I'd like to invite you to come to my coaching, speaking, and training courses website. You can also see our new podcast over there at chrisvossleadershipinstitute.com. Over there, you can find all the different stuff that we do for speaking engagements, if you'd like to hire me, uh, training courses that we offer, and coaching for leadership, management, entrepreneurism, uh, podcasting, corporate stuff. Uh, with over 35 years of experience in business and running companies as a CEO, and be sure to check out Chris Voss Leadership 
Institute.com. Now back to the show. Uh, and so let me ask you this. Uh, I know people really need to get into the details of the book and everything else, but it, are we really saving anything with plastic and paper uh, straws? Did you get into any of that in the book? Oh, you mean like changing plastic straws to paper? Yeah, yeah. And stuff like that. Yeah, and, and this is a really interesting like area because something that happens, and this is true of the whole wider environmental movement, area, any kind of environmental issue, is that when you identify a bad guy, you know, we, like what happened was all of a sudden we started seeing these pictures of turtles with their heads and like beer, beer rings and, and things like that. And everyone went, okay, well, we need to find a solution. And a bunch of canny entrepreneurs and people on like in the business world went, okay, well, we can we can sell these alternatives. You have, you know, all these keep cups and tote bags and all these like this whole green industry suddenly moved inside, basically saying well, the solution is to buy different stuff, which in a lot of ways will fill like, doesn't really solve the problem. But in a, in in a, in, a, in a few cases they're better, right? Like so, a paper straw is more recyclable than a plastic straw. So like I think you know, uh, weight for weight. They're probably a, uh, it's probably an improvement, but you do have a th this thing where a bunch of the replacements were actually worse. So, for example, now it's difficult to say the word worse, but so but they're complicated. Let's say the word they're complicated. So, for example, um, you can recycle a plastic, you know, a, a let's let's say you want to use a beer glass, a, a beer, a plastic beer cup, the kind that you might get at a music festival or something, mm -hmm. and it's made out of PET, which is a very common uh, plastic. That's the kind of thing your Coke bottle is made of. And that's a pretty recyclable plastic. It's recycled all over the world. And what happened was, particularly during the pandemic, and, and I saw it a lot in my own life, is that we saw a lot of places swapping those out for compostable. Is that how you pronounce it over there? Compostable yeah. Yeah. plastics. These alternatives, these kind of new bioplastics and things. And the idea is that they break down. Yeah. Um, the problem is, is that it turned out that a lot of those new new materials are only designed to break down in these like high tech industrial compost facilities, uh -huh. uh, with, with, like under heat and pressure. You know, and and you know certainly in the UK, there's very few of them, and there's nobody collecting them to take to those places, right? So you were replacing this recyclable product, which you know plastic has lots of other problems. You know that that I'm not saying that plastic is good by any means, but we took something that was recyclable and we replaced it with something that people thought were being composted, but no one really thinks, oh, hang on a minute, I didn't put this in, you know, there's no compost bin. Um, and so they all ended up burned. So you get in this, end up this weird thing where it's like, okay, well, we swapped something bad for something that's just bad in another way. And it turns out that there's this all sorts of examples of this throughout the industry. And so you kind of have to say to people, it's, it's sometimes a difficult conversation to say, well, hang on a minute, let's not maybe rush because, you know, a lot of the times there's no good choices, there's just choices. And we need to sometimes lean into a bit of the complexity. Uh, in some of these cases there you go uh you know it's it's uh one thing we have over here too i don't know if you guys have in the uk but they made this thing where they wouldn't give you paper bags anymore They're like yeah we're not giving you paper or plastic bags you gotta buy this canvas piece of shit that probably isn't compostable in any way shape or form uh you know it's like thick and heavy and uh they're like hey you gotta put all your groceries in there meanwhile all your mm -hmm. groceries come in like giant plastic oversized yeah. Like I, I saw a TikTok video recently and the, the guy goes, oh, here's my, you know, my special bag from the grocery bag. And, and then he pulls out like every product just covered in plastic and giant, yeah. pla like his chicken. He had some like roasted chicken. It was like this giant plastic thing. And it, especially if you go to like Costco, I don't know if you guys have those. Yeah, 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 for sure. Warehouse stores, but you go to Costco and like. Layers upon layers, like past the parcel. 
Yeah, it's like half an acre of plastic. And so um, it, it, it's kind of, I don't know. And people are like, I'm saving the planet and shit. And you're just like, are you really? Well, this is the thing. Like, you know, tote bags is a great example. You know, and and I, I I should say I made a joke about this because one of the worst uh, industries for this stuff is um, is the publishing industry. The publishing industry loves tote bags for some reason. But uh, you know, you you take something you know something like a plastic bag, you replace it with a tote bag. Well, what have you got to do? You have got to clear cut a load of forest and grow a load of cotton. And and there was this Dutch, I think it was Dutch study. There was a study done in Europe which found that you had to use, in order for it to be environmentally beneficial, you have to use these things thousands of times. I can't, I don't have the exact figure, but it was like multiple thousands of times before they're better. Wow. Which, so if you suddenly, you know, I've probably got 20 of these things now. Most of those are yeah. not going to get used thousands of times. So, but this is the thing where like a lot of the solution is just, okay, we, maybe we just don't need a bag at all. But that's, you know, sometimes uh, the obvious choice is the harder is the harder one to choose. The thing you said about plastic is is so true. Like you go to the supermarket now, you go to Whole Foods or wherever it is, maybe not Whole Foods, but if you go to Walmart or whatever, um, and you have all these fruit and vegetables and everything packed with layers and layers of it. And that the packaging industry or the food industry for a long time, their excuse was, oh, okay, it will make things last longer. It's like fresher and all these kind of things. And very rarely, it turns out there's very rarely is that actually true. It's just practical for them, right? It's just like practical logistics. Wow. But you get this side effect, which is that, you know, if you're a single person and living in Manhattan or whatever, and you go to the supermarket, and you go to Costco, it's like, do you want large or extra large? Like you want to buy a bag of salad leaves? And it's like, you can buy two kilos or five kilos, but you can't buy, you know, a lettuce or something. <laughs> and it's covered in five kilos of plastic. It's, it's all exactly. But you also get loads and loads of food waste. And we, you know, you, oh, if you want a kind of mind blowing figure, um, a third of all food grown worldwide is wasted. It's never eaten. Really? A third of all, all food waste. Ten, eight, between 8 and 10%, according to the IPCC, between 8 and 10% of all greenhouse gas emissions is caused by food waste. Right? Wow. If that's you, so that, that's, that, that, that feels wild. But then you think about that practically. So 28% of all farmland worldwide is being wasted. It's being used to grow food that's never eaten by people. Wow. If you add up the hectares of like all that farmland, you could cover the subcontinent of India with farmland that's being wasted. So, so like the figures are just kind of mind-blowing. And the, the great thing is the op opportunity there is that any, you know, it's like low-hanging fruit in terms of like if you want to cut carbon emissions, then you just need to, you know, take away some food, cut some food waste, buy less vegetables, and make sure we're eating what, what we're growing. And it's like a, it's there's a real opportunity there. So I just try and make it's kind of scary figures, but also I like like to see the upside. Those are extraordinary figures, you know. And here we have, uh, you know, human hunger everywhere. Like yeah, eight hundred twenty million, eight hundred twenty million hungry people in the world. I think is the current figure. Are we just what? What is our problem? Did, <laughs> did you discover that in our book? What our problem? <laughs> I think that's a separate just, book. It's going to require a lot of <laughs> a couple of hits across the head or something with a plate. <laughs> like what's what's going on there? You know, it, tell me if I have any bearing of this. And this is kind of a joke, but I always do. But you know, I'll have these friends that I'll you know, be at a party or something on Facebook, and I'm like, hey, you know, uh, I'm single and i live my life and i have plastic forks plastic knives and plastic spoons and paper plates and that's how i go about my life it's me and my two dogs i'm 55 years old never been married never been divorced never got tired of being happy um and uh 
And so I eat that way. And so sometimes I'll take a picture of some nice food I made, like a crazy salad, and people will give me about, oh, you're eating, uh, you're eating those plastic forks. So you're, you're filling the environment. And I'm like, hey, man, I'm one guy. I didn't have any kids. So uh, <laughs> it dies with me. Like, I'm Mr. You know, that, that's just me, my world. You had four freaking kids. And uh, probably about 50% of them. So, so basically, there's you and your wife. And you had a kid. So since there's two of you, you've increased the quotient of garbage in the world by 50% of what your output originally was. Now, if you have four kids, you just did it by 200%. And those kids are going to have four kids or two to four kids. And those kids are going to have two. You basically have started a fucking landfill of your own, basically. So uh, that's the shit I give them. And I go, so shut up. You had kids and <laughs> your garbage is probably four cans and mine's barely one. So I'm going to take a little bit of extra and, and I'm going to have my plastic forks. Fuck you. Am I, um, am I in the ballpark? Or am I full of shit? And this is like the Thanos, uh, the Thanos Marvel uh, logic of the world, like depopulation. Like we, I, I love how <laughs> very quickly we've moved on to like depopulation and, and theorizing about genocide. Like, twenty minutes in. <laughs> it's like yeah, let's Welcome stop. The the Chinese tried that. It didn't go very well. Um, what I would say is, uh, there's two arguments to this, right? Like, it's very true that one of the most sustainable things you could do is have less kids, but also it's not very practical. It's pretty, like, dark when you get into the policy implications of that. So you can't really, like, legislate for it, whereas you can legislate plastic forks. So we're going to go for the low-hanging fruit. Um, well, the thing I would say to you is, like, if you... First of all, like, why? Plastic forks taste gross. Second of all is, like, we are starting to understand now, if you knew the shit that was in your plastic forks, it would blow your mind. Like, a lot of the time... There's about 10,000 common additives that go into plastic. Really? And uh, a lot of them now we're starting to understand, like phthalates, for example, which is this whole class of additive that goes into plastic. You go to these plastic recycling facilities, for example, and essentially they're just these huge kind of industrial facilities, loads of, um, you know, conveyor belts. And, like, when you see garbage in large amounts, it's kind of like, it's, it's like almost a religious experience because you realize the scale of what we're doing to the planet. You see this stuff, and they chop it all up into these kind of tiny little flakes, and then they melt it. But before they melt it, they kind of pour in like a barrel of this like green, mysterious ooze, and they call it master batch, which is like this really dark euphemism. It sounds like Soylent Green or something. And you're like, well, what's in it? And they're like, we don't really know. And it <laughs> maybe, but um, some of that stuff, you know, and we now know. For example, like if you 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 were probably around uh, a kid at the time when they used to have uh, things like BPA and and kids yeah. you know toys and bottles and th these kind of things so we're only we're still only learning like if you you could do a whole people have done whole books there's a great book um it's called slow death by rubber duck which oh, is basically wow. about all the shit that's in like toys and plastics every day and it kind of talks about that but yeah. sorry i'm swearing i shouldn't swear um well, we probably used to burn a lot of money we that was me but my my uh yeah, my, all I would say is like, we don't know what that's doing to your body, to our sperm counts, to whatever. So, whereas like a metal is, you know, a stainless steel fork is pretty inert and pretty cheap. Yeah. So that that would be like, if, if I could appeal to the other other side of you, I'd say I'd say that. And right, the thing you scared that, me enough. I, I'll probably <laughs> the, freak me out now. The other thing that's kind of wild to me about plastic, you know, when I drive along the highway or something and I see people throwing away their cartons or whatever, and it, it, it is the hedgerows, is that you know, by some estimates, they reckon that, you know, a, a Coke bottle now will last about 450, 500 years if left Holy by itself. Crap. Um, 
so when you think like when you think about the amount of stuff that we're producing and, and it kind of sits out there that i'm just kind of like well eventually we're going to get into this wally like, people talk about the wally situation uh, where, where the, we have to kind of flee planet earth because there's just too much garbage around so um but yeah yeah and it's buy yourself a plate i'm going to send you a plate in the mail <laughs> well the plates are paper nice so crockery how, how am i doing with the paper plates Paper's pretty recyclable, yeah. As long as you're not getting it too greasy and stuff, then then you can yeah. just throw it in recycling. Or you know, it'll go in a landfill. Yeah. And you're they're in the U.S., so you just you guys still landfill pretty much everything. So yeah, we do. Or you know, we just take it down to the beach and wing it. Exactly. Yeah. Water, Feed it to turtles. Water. Yeah. You know, we had a guy on uh, who uh, talked about estrogenics and mm -hmm. he talked about parabens and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. that you were in in things, and you probably are familiar with that and talked about it in the book. Let me ask you about my other beef that I get in arguments with people on social media for, because I mean that's really what this show is about: uh, how to get, how to win arguments with your book. Um, is are are uh, from what you found, uh, are electronic vehicles really helping the environment? Ooh, uh, that's not the subject of my book. I mean, I can I could yeah, spout no. I could spout some some nonsense and, and some opinions on it. Did you say I mean, any of that? Is it in, in the book anywhere? I mean. I, I think the thing that we're talking about, so so industrial waste is a huge problem. Like, and I think that one of the big points about the book is that we spend so much time like agonizing and being guilty over the, the like what happens to stuff after we throw it away. Mm -hmm. But by some estimates, I think I think there's one estimate that comes from Canada, which is that 97% of all waste by volume is industrial waste. Like, it's the stuff that happens before it comes to you. If you think about when you buy a hamburger all of the wasted carcass, but also everything that cows ever eaten. And then like the amount of feces that are sitting in some horrible, you know, silage, silage pond somewhere in the Midwest. Mm -hmm. So, so when you start thinking about it, that's, it kind of becomes kind of almost mind blowing. You can't really picture it. And you think the same is true of the amount of the tonnage of uh, the, the tonnage of all that you have to dig up to get a gram of gold is astonishing. Something like eight tons of ore or something for like a single kilo of gold or something. It, it, it's crazy the amount of stuff and you see what we've done is we've kind of offshored a lot of that so that it happens in south or central america or it happens in china and, and you kind of don't see industrial waste and like that the role on uh, that, that that has on those environments so i would say that's true um the most sustainable thing you can do most of the time is just not buy the new thing or buy fewer of the new things oh. and when we, we talk about cars you know like I, I probably will get in trouble with some of some people when i use this analogy but the analogy that i like to use is like classic car like fanatics you know you, you get these guys who have have like you know a 60s jaguar or something and they've made, they you know every weekend they're out there buffing it and waxing it and do all that kind of stuff and quite often they've tweaked the engine or they've swapped it for something electric or more efficient that car probably has a lower carbon emission than this, the guy who's kind of had a new prius five times in the, in the intervening years right because the ma the majority of the carbon emissions from that vehicle is in the manufacture oh. so if we all had this approach of okay, well let's let's like try and buy things that we really love and they take care of them for as long as possible, and you know we could talk about the right for, to repair movement and all this kind of stuff because we have electronics farmers taking people to court over whether they can repair their tractors because one of the wild things about the tech industry now is like they put all these software things in there which basically means you like stuff breaks you can't fix it, yeah. you know you can't replace the battery you can't which is a wild you know world for us to be getting into. So if we're going to talk about things, if we're going to talk about cars, like let's talk about uh, what tech companies have done, and and you can talk about obsolescence and things like that. But uh, but yeah, I'm not. I'd ask an ask an EV expert, my friend. 
Okay. I was just I agonize about covered, it just as much as you do. I still I was drive just a wondering if you Honda. Your book. Um, <laughs> you know, I, one of the, uh, I had a joke set up somewhere in there, but, uh, one, 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 you know, one of the things is, is, uh, this is why I drive a 1976, uh, Ford Honda. Uh, anyway, uh, you know, but uh, part of it is the disposable of it. You know, mm. when these Tesla cars burn, they burn, like extraordinarily hot. Like sometimes they have to submerge them in a fucking pool for a week just because they're going to burn. And then a lot of the waste of these batteries, you know, is almost like mm. a, a toxic waste. So I don't know if you got into that in your book. Or not. Yeah, that's certainly true. Like lithium batteries are, you know, we, we've replaced a lot of the material, you know, lead batteries, for example, weren't, weren't particularly better, but lithium batteries are, are like the, plague of of the waste industry because you know, you know particularly now you got like people having these disposable vapes and stuff there's batteries in basically everything now a little yeah. ear pod you know your ear pod gets thrown away in the bin and accidentally causes an explosion at a recycling facility because it catches on fire and sets a you know bale of paper on fire so that's that's definitely true the thing that's um i find encouraging is that there is a lot of innovation going on in like how to recycle those batteries one of the tesla guys quit and now runs this battery recycling technology company based out of Europe. I can't remember the name of it, mm -hmm. um, but there's a huge amount of investment in that space. So I, I can only imagine that within a few years, we'll see a lot of that reason recycled and they take old EV batteries now and they turn them into batteries for homes, or whatever, like just or solar farms and things. So, so there is reuse because that's just, they're so valuable and it's so different that a lot of these raw materials, these rare metals, it's so expensive and so damaging to get them out of the ground that we have, you know, the, the, the metals industry, you see mining companies now, they call it urban mining, which is basically like they're getting into recycling through e-waste. Um, and they're even talking about in some places digging up old landfills because you can strip the gold that, that was in like lining and old phones and old laptops and things that, that because there's more, there is more gold in a ton of e-waste than there is in a ton of gold ore. You know, so so you get these kind of weird economics where all of a sudden we have gigantic mining conglomerates getting into the trash business, yeah. which I find kind of fascinating and and seeing seeing that play out. I've seen these guys on TikTok that they take apart like circuit boards and shit and mm -hmm. like all sorts of stuff to get the gold off them. And uh, some of them are after copper, of course. Uh, I think they have a meth problem. <laughs> but no, they're like they're like professional copper dudes. Like they have a whole thing and they cut them open, they speed cut them. I even saw a thing that's disturbing. I don't know why it keeps showing up on my for you page on TikTok. But do I get paid for TikTok plugs here? Um, the uh, where these guys and it, it appears to be somewhere in Africa in one of the third world countries, it looks like they're, they're not making a lot of money in their lives, but they're literally machete hacking open batteries, car batteries, mm -hmm. and literally just pouring them out into the ground in a ditch mm -hmm. that's in their office. And this, and it's in a closed office. So I, I don't even know like the chemicals and the air and, and they're standing in it too. Uh, they have boots on, so they got that going for them. But I mean, just the, the cavalierness of just pouring these batteries over and you're sitting there looking at the health of these people and just wondering, my God, I mean, there has to be something going on there that, that impacts us as humans. There, uh, electronics waste recycling is one of the most toxic, um, you know, forms of waste processing that there is. And, uh, you know, you want to talk about China, for example, for decades, a lot of the stuff that we were throwing away, like electronics wise was, was getting shipped to China. Now 
I don't, I, I'm careful not to use the word dumped here because we weren't like dumping it a lot of the time. There was a real market for this stuff and they wanted it because it's valuable and they can repair it and resell it on the, on the, you know, secondhand market or whatever they want to do. Um, but one of the side effects is that you get places that you have played these, these towns, like there's a t- famous town called Guiyu in, in Southern China and Guangzhou province, um, where there was so much lead in the water that like something it's north of 80% of all of the children had lead poisoning. Mm, and like oh, right. you had these rivers where they basically had to ship in bottled water because the rivers are ruined. You know, these, the, the heavy toxic metals, cadmium, you know, things like that, are, you know, they're poisonous and, and Jesus. will, will, will ruin you. I went to Ghana and I went to one of the, um, you know, informal settlements there in Accra. Accra is the capital of, of Ghana, which is in West Africa. And they, they are, one of the hubs for West Africa for the import of used electronics, textiles, and loads of other secondhand stuff. But but they've become famous in the last few years. And um, something we had a, a few reporters there and kind of covered it. And then there was like a flood of YouTubers that went in and took some kind of fairly gross footage. But yeah, they they call uh, like there they call them burner boys, and you you get these kids who are essentially taking apart old cars or old you know TVs and things, and they will get a bunch of wire and they will basically put it on the end of a big stick and they'll just burn it like on an open fire on the riverbank and you can smell the fumes from, from ages away. And these, these, you know, some of these kids are, you know, they're not even teenagers. They're getting yet. high that way or something? Like, I know, I, I, but, the, but it shows you the value. Like for those, for the, for these guys, copper is tremendously valuable. You know, scrap, the scrap metal trade is a multi-billion dollar industry worldwide. So mm. there's, there's value, there's value in it for them. So for them, they're making a, a decent living. There you so go. You I need to start going back through my trash every day. What did I throw away in here? <laughs> You know, but, it's, it's, uh, it's true. If we knew the value, you know, some of the most interesting people that I met on my journey, you know, we take we take the idea that you can kind of put your trash can out on a weekday morning and, and someone will come and collect it for granted. That is, we are like a privileged few, the privileged few, right? There's mm-hmm. 2 billion people in the world who have no form of waste collection whatsoever. Wow. Um, so they're just literally like dumping it in the garden still like we were like pre-Victorian era. Yeah, so like Indian stuff like that where they just... Yeah. yeah, I mean, I was on. The, I was in this. I was in Varanasi. Varanasi is this holy city on the Ganges in India. The Ganges is considered a goddess, like it's it, it's holy. Um, and Varanasi is this beautiful, ancient, one of the most ancient cities in the world. And you get a bunch of the tributaries of the Ganges all join there. And I went down to one of these one of these rivers, and I am not joking to you to say that it was a, there, the entire bank was covered in plastic about a foot deep. Holy crap! And you had whole communities of people like basically like picking the stuff up, and it's it's you know brands. A lot of the brands you would recognize. A lot of the brands are, are, the, are the same companies that are trying to tell us about their recycling pledges in the West are dumping this stuff like the filling um, the global South with this with these materials. And we talk to these guys, and they would say, "Oh, well, how much?" And I'd say, "You know, how much do you make a day?" And they'd be like, "Oh, they make about ten rupees a kilo, which is like a fraction of a cent." Wow. You know. So the, if, if you want to, uh, I'm going to give you the, what, something that. I think kind of blows your mind. And I find the most outrageous recently uh, is that in the last couple of years, particularly a bunch of companies started marketing these products, which they say are made out of ocean plastic. Have you seen these things around? You can buy like computer mice and sunglasses and like you sweat, like soccer shirt. They're made out of ocean plastic. And you think, Oh, that must've been fished out of the ocean. No, in the vast cases, it's actually <laughs> what's called prevented ocean plastic. Now, the definition of prevented ocean plastic is any plastic collected within 50 kilometers of a major river or sea in the global south. 50 what kilometers. The hell? 
so that if you like add up there's like something more i think it's something like 70 percent of the entire world's population are like covered by this definition so what they're actually saying is we just paid some really poor people in the third world to pick it up for, for you and then charged you a premium for it but wow. you know the greenwashing is just crazy and i would meet these guys and they're not seeing the profit like you you're buying this these you know nice designer sunglasses makes you feel guilt-free they're seeing none of it so yeah. it, it, the 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 injustice that that goes on in in waste in this world was shocking to me throughout this journey and, and still makes me mad quite it's extraordinary now, as you can tell now as we round out one of the things you build in the book is a blueprint for building a healthier more sustainable world do we need to kill all the humans for world peace and, uh, <laughs> make the world I, I, do i need to be worried do i need to be like no, calling no. somebody I just, I, no i just have a joke sheriff like, hey, check on you. <laughs> anytime someone ever says to me hey we, we need world peace i'm like you know achieve world peace wow uh kill all the humans and everybody be peaceful after that it's us we're the problem this is like the environmental uh environmental prospectus practiced by like ted kaczynski but i'm, I'm, enjoying, I'm enjoying it no um only, only only it's that other guy who would eat the people because that's more recyclable yeah that's true you know it, it's returning nutrients to the earth um so sorry i interrupted your, your question is like what's the fix so yeah you offer a blueprint for building a healthier more sustainable world uh what, what should we do before all buried in trash sure i mean th there's a couple of things which are really um obvious which are you know buy less stuff that you like buy less tat like try and buy things that like we that's going to last longer and that you can repair and pass down to your kids and love like i think it's very easy to people say, say buy less stuff well, i'm actually saying just like you can still buy stuff, just make sure it's good quality and that you can repair it and fix it. And let's make companies and like ensure that companies are letting that happen. And there's a bunch of great companies that are doing that, you know, like Framework and Fairphone and all these companies kind of do do stuff. So that's uh, one example. Second thing is like we need to cut company like we need companies need to basically be punished for for greenwashing and like we need to basically be making sure that they're telling the truth when, with this stuff. You know, I talk about in the book about Coca Cola's recycling pledges they've done over the last. Uh, 25 years or so um you know in the mid coca-cola have been pledging recycling uh, like recycle content in their bottles since the 1990s and every single time they've set a target they've missed it and they've done it i think five or six times over the years and nobody ever kind of goes back and check wow. so, so there's a couple of those big things but yeah i i i could sit and tell you oh make sure you buy these things and I, but i think the the honest answer is that the place we we have we didn't really talk about the, this, but one of the things that, that is kind of fun, fundamental in the book is that our entire concept of waste and individual responsibility for it was eventually essentially invented by the packaging industry in the 1950s as a way to avoid being legislated against. In the same way that the carbon footprint was invented by British Petroleum, BP, the oil company, like popularized the carbon footprint, like and a lot of people know that. But like that, you know, so the, so we are kind of taught to reduce, reuse, recycle by basically the companies producing this stuff as a way of getting away with it. And, and so we kind of need to, when we talk about individual action, like a lot of the time it's, we're kind of playing into their hands. When a 90, if 97% of all waste is industrial waste, then it needs to happen kind of the, before it gets to us. There you um, go. So that's the thing. The thing I would say to people is like, if you want to make a difference, the, the places that you can make a difference are not in the Costco aisle. And then not when you're like washing out your pizza boxes or whatever, after you've had a takeaway or you with your, with your plastic, fork it's like the boring midweek meeting where you're like working out with a stock that you're going to buy for the next year and like choosing something slightly lower waste footprint like do you know what i mean like yeah. if i can if i can convince the procurement manager 
for like a chain of you know fast food restaurants then then that person is able to make decisions that's that much more than every if every single one of your listeners started you know washing their, out their milk bottles there you go. um so yeah let's not like let's make to try and make sure that those are the people listening and everyone else you can kind of i don't i don't, I don't want to say you kind of get off scot-free but uh my hope is that this book can kind of is kind of an interesting fun sometimes gross ride into this world that we don't think about and the first step would be let's think about it a bit more and, and talk about it and should, uh we'll go from there you should have smell a vision on the pa- on the pages so you can be like <laughs> oh so that's what I make, paper smell like you know i make a long attempt at describing what landfills oh. smell like but the answer is I've, I've been on a lot of them now the one i went to in gaza in india uh gazapur um I think it's 65 meters tall or something, which I'm not sure what that is, about 200 feet tall. Uh, but you can see it from several miles away and it looks like a mountain range. Yeah. Uh, like no jokes, like you have to, you can drive trucks like spiraling up the, up, up the sides of the top and there's oh, an entire right. town of people who live on it. But uh, yeah, just trying to describe the smell of that is wild. Uh, I, I found out, for example, if you want a, a good fact, there's, there's this chemical called cadaverine cadaverine is the smell of rotting corpses as there's like an actual like chemical compound that's my cologne yeah i was gonna say yeah uh you seem like that kind of guy. <laughs> i know it's kind of a theme it's a callback joke going on no, <laughs> the whole show isn't it there's a theme there murder i don't know what, <laughs> Go ahead. what were you saying about the, the cadaverine yeah cadaverine it's yeah. the hot new scent of fall there you go there you go i it, it was in gq i saw somebody have it it's one, it one of those things you're going through gq and they have all the next i'm just kidding i'm gonna get you fired uh it's not in gq people that's a joke um so i've learned we've learned some really interesting stuff what did we learn today kenny uh i never have heard this term i may have heard the term greenwashing but i never probably understood what it was mm-hmm. uh i just thought it was where you scrub your vegetables but greenwashing is a term used to describe false or misleading claims made by an organization about the positive impact that company, product, or service has on the environment. Now, they claim here that uh, greenwashing is illegal and ethical, according to the United States Federal Trade Commission. But we know how that shit works. In yeah. Yeah. You just pay some money and it goes away. Um, I mean, in, in this country, we have the, the Advertising Standards Agency. And, and you know, they, they basically, you get a fine. Like, if you put an advert that, said, that says something like untrue you get a small fine and a lot of the time that they just kind of take the take the l and tweak a, a small word uh and, and and get away with it but yeah you know the the, the reality is that the waste industry and, and recycling recycling i should say really important right the the, the, the the environmental benefits of good recycling cannot be overstated it creates more jobs it's better for the planet you know uh, but a lot of the time, it's just not happening. Like it's just not true. There's so much smoke and mirrors in this world. It's it's kind of unreal. Um, about, so yeah, those, like if we want to talk about greenwashing. It's a great place to start. What about those buying a shit people do on Amazon? I mean, I know some people, maybe personally, that have stuff that comes every day from Amazon. You know, and there's there's trucks that bring it. You know, yeah, it's like some ten dollar thing of salt or something, and you're like, that's a you know, they put it in like a a giant box about this size for something you know that's about that big. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they they they, they kind of cracked down on that here recently because there was like a social media campaign which which really didn't seem to convince them. But the thing that they got in trouble for, and I got um, you know, I, I cover in the book is that. Not a lot of people realize that when you return stuff, particularly if you're online shopping, like if you return stuff and if it's of a low enough value, 
they often just throw it away. Like it yeah. doesn't get resold. They got like the logistical cost of hiring a staff to, to, to resort it. So Amazon in the UK was caught basically shipping a load of stuff that was unsold returns just straight to landfill. And they wow. had this insane footage of, you know, like headphones and massage guns and clothing and all this stuff just like straight in there. Wow. Um, the, the fashion industry has been doing this for years. They have this thing called dead stock, which is like, designer brands in order to artificially inflate the the value of a lot of their clothing were just burning like anything that was unsold they would either literally slash it or they would just throw it straight in an incinerator and there are fast fashion brands there's this story in the book about h&m the fast fashion brand producing so much clothing waste that there's a place in um i can't remember which country it might be denmark it might be sweden um where like they had an incinerator that like switched over to being powered by clothes. Like there's a waste to energy plant just like powered by clothing waste. <laughs> They're like you know? providing the electricity for half the country. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah. That is crazy, yeah. dude. That yeah. is crazy. Well, very insightful book. I've learned a few things. You scare me away from plastic. Uh, <laughs> so good job there. You've, you've won, you've won one person over with your book and I'm sure there'll be more. Uh, so thank you very much, Oliver, for coming to the show. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm going to send you a new fork in the mail. Uh, if, if, if any of your listeners want to chip in and get a full cutlery set, let's sort Chris out. I think, but make sure it's a uh, make sure it's got that lead base because that lead base gives it that zing. I like that <laughs> zing, man. Gives it that flashy flavor. You know, makes your mouth tingle a little bit. You know, and your brain goes, you know, and then the next morning you're like, really? uh, which is pretty much the story of my life. Uh, give us a .com, Oliver, so people can find you on the internet. Yeah, sure. Um, you can find me at OliverFranklinWallace.com. Uh, and as I said, the book is called Wasteland. It's out in all good bookshops now. I hope you like it. There you go. Uh, thank you very much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate and it. And thanks to Mountains for tuning in. Uh, go to goodreads.com for just Chris Foss. Order the book where refined books are sold. You can go to uh, wherever they are. Uh, Wasteland, the secret world of waste. It's a secret. And the urgent search for a cleaner future. And open up your eyes. And, you know, really, if you want to save the planet, stop damn breeding so much. Jesus. <laughs> I mean, go adopt a kid. There's plenty to shelter. It's kind of like getting a dog. Just go get one of the shelter. They're already there. Just adopt them. Anyway, I'm just teasing you people. You can do whatever you want because you will. Uh, so there's that. Thanks for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe. And we'll see you guys next time.